A Day at the Summit, written by Matt Tipple. Please don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. You can also support the channel and listen to my content ad-free for as little as a dollar by joining my Patreon. The link is down below in the description. Thank you, and happy listening. Disclaimer. The following audiobook contains adult themes and explores topics that some listeners may find sensitive or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 4 The Baffled Businessman Mike woke up in a bad mood, like most mornings, in his apartment on the fourth floor at the summit. He grabbed his glasses off of the nightstand and slid them over his ears before he even opened his eyes. Turning off his alarm clock, Mike quickly rolled out of bed and made his way over to his laptop, still open from the night before. As he logged into his email, he felt a deep sense of frustration wash over him. There were already so many messages from his colleagues and superiors, all demanding his attention and time. Slamming the laptop shut, he made his way into the bathroom to shower and get ready for the day. Glancing around at the lavish ensuite bathroom, most people might feel a sense of accomplishment, but all Mike felt was resentment. The bathroom was decked out in marble and gold fixtures, with a spacious walk-in shower and a jacuzzi tub that had never even been used. But this finery wasn't limited to just the bathroom. The bedroom was just as opulent, with a king-sized bed covered in plush blankets and pillows, and a wardrobe filled with designer suits and shoes. The living room was a spacious and elegant space, with high ceilings and large windows which were covered in expensive yet tasteful draperies. The room was furnished with sofas and armchairs upholstered in soft, buttery leather, and the walls were adorned with original artwork and expensive antiques. The kitchen was a chef's dream, with state-of-the-art appliances, granite countertops, and plenty of space to move around. The cabinets were stocked with every gizmo and gadget known to man, and a large island in the center that would make a great place to entertain if Mike actually had anyone in his life to entertain. Mike stood in the shower, the hot water cascading down his body, allowing it to soothe his aching muscles. Twenty-five years ago to the day, Mike's world had been turned upside down. He let out a deep sigh. As he reached for the shampoo, memories of Jack flooded his mind. Jack used to be Mike's best friend. They had been inseparable growing up, always getting into mischief and dreaming big. When they reached their twenties, they started a business together and it took off almost immediately. Mike had been putting money back for expansion, and it was a good thing too because within three years, they had outgrown four offices. Business was booming, and Mike really thought that the sky was the limit. But then, out of the blue, Jack emptied all of the company accounts and disappeared, never to be heard from again. When the dust settled, Mike was left with nothing but debt and a bad name. But more than that, his ability to trust had been shattered forever. Mike had spent every day since then with his nose to the grindstone to pay off his debts and restore his name, climbing the corporate ladder of the biggest business in town one rung at a time. He knew that he should be grateful to have finally landed such a high-paying position within Thompson Enterprises. But now he felt as if he were trapped in some sort of gilded cage. But he didn't have time to think about that now. Mike was expected to work long hours and attend endless meetings and events, all while maintaining a certain air about him. He was one of the big dogs now, and per the advice he had received from Theodore Thompson himself upon accepting his last promotion, he needed to make sure everyone knew it. Freshly showered, 
Mike carefully chose his outfit for the day. He knew the image that he was meant to portray, and despite his mood, he wasn't willing to let appearances slip. He selected a tailored gray suit and polished black dress shoes, making sure that every detail was perfect. He combed his white hair and applied a touch of cologne. He selected a pair of silver cufflinks from his collection. They were intricately designed, with a small diamond in the center of each one. He fastened them to the sleeves of his crisp white shirt, making sure they were securely in place. Finishing his morning routine, Mike made his way out into the kitchen where he was greeted by the sight of his housekeeper Maria cooking breakfast. She was a kind woman who always tried to make conversation, but Mike didn't have the patience for it this morning. He just wanted to get through his day as efficiently as possible. Good morning, Mr. Miller, Maria said, smiling up at him. Let me get you your cup of coffee. I made your favorite omelet and some toast, too. You've been looking a little skinny lately. Mike said nothing but went and took his normal seat at the kitchen table, unfolding the newspaper that Maria already had waiting for him. Here you are, Mr. Miller. Can I get you anything else before I start cleaning up? Maria asked. Mike didn't even look up. Instead of even a simple thank you, he replied, Please don't disturb me while I'm reading the paper. Maria nodded, understanding. This was a request that Mike made most mornings, and she knew not to take it personally. She left him to his solitude. As Mike picked at his omelet, still poring over the headlines, his phone rang, interrupting his concentration. A quick glance told him that it was his driver, Jerry. Why does he insist on calling me every morning? Mike said to no one in particular. He sent Jerry's call to voicemail. Reaching for his fork again, he knocked over his coffee cup with his elbow, and the hot liquid spilled all over the newspaper. He snapped his fingers and pointed at the mess he made. Maria hurried over immediately to clean it up. As Mike made his way down the elevator and through the lobby of the summit, he did his best to avoid making eye contact with anyone. He had learned that the fewer people he interacted with, the better. He didn't want to be bothered by anyone's problems or complaints, especially not when he had so much on his own plate. As he stepped outside, he was greeted by his driver, Jerry. Good morning, Mr. Miller, Jerry said, holding the door open for Mike. Morning, Mike said tersely, sliding into the back seat of the car. Mike spent the ride to work scrolling through his emails, ignoring Jerry's attempts at small talk. He wished they would arrive already so that he could get to his private office and finally have some peace and quiet. As the car pulled up to Thompson Enterprises, Mike tapped his foot impatiently as he waited for Jerry to open the car door for him. He stepped out of the car and headed towards the towering glass and steel building, hoping to make it to his office without any further aggravation. As Mr. Miller's assistant, Jane was always on edge. She was an intelligent woman, with a degree in business and a strong work ethic, but Mr. Miller made her so nervous that she often found herself making mistakes. She had been working for Mr. Miller for about a year now, and she had never quite gotten used to his demanding and perfectionist nature. She was constantly worried about not living up to his expectations and worked long hours just to stay on top of things. Today was no different. As Mr. Miller walked into the office, Jane could feel her nerves start to get the better of her. Good morning, Mr. Miller, Jane said, trying to sound as confident as possible. Morning, Mr. Miller replied, his voice cold and distant. I need you to go over the reports from yesterday's meeting. 
I want to know how the budget is looking for the new product line. Jane nodded and quickly pulled up the reports on her computer. She scanned through them, trying to make sense of the complex data. She had always been good at math and numbers, but she couldn't risk even the smallest mistake. After a few more minutes of figuring, Jane knew that this wasn't just her insecurities talking. There was something off about these numbers. Way off. It was no good. She'd have to ask Mr. Miller about them. Jane took a deep breath, stood up, and tried to flatten the creases that had formed in her clothing from sitting. She walked across the hall and lightly knocked on the glass double doors of Mr. Miller's office. Come in, he called out, his voice gruff and impatient. Jane took one more breath before opening the door and stepping inside. She knew that Mr. Miller was always short-tempered, but today seemed to be especially bad. She nervously approached his desk, holding the report in her shaking hands. I'm sorry, Mr. Miller, Jane said, feeling her cheeks start to flush. I'm having trouble understanding some of the numbers. Do you have a minute to go over them with me? He sighed. Jane, if you can't read a simple report, can you tell me what it is that I need you for? With exasperation in his voice, he continued before she had time to answer. The numbers on the left show the amount of money we've spent so far. The numbers on the right show the projected profits. Do you think you can remember that? He snapped. Yes, sir. I understand that part, Jane stammered. What I mean to say is that according to these numbers, we are tens of millions of dollars over budget on research and development. Mr. Miller glared at her, his eyes narrowed in frustration. That's impossible, he snapped. You must have made some kind of mistake. Run the report again. Jane felt her confidence wavering. She knew that she had run the reports accurately, but she was afraid to contradict Mr. Miller. He was her boss, after all, and she didn't want to risk her job. Yes, sir, she said, trying to keep the fear out of her voice. I'll run the report again. As she turned to leave the room, Mr. Miller called out to her. And make sure you get it right this time, he said, his voice dripping with sarcasm. Jane's cheeks burned with embarrassment as she hurried back to her desk. She couldn't believe how difficult it was to work for Mr. Miller. Jane knew that she was a competent and intelligent assistant, but for some reason that she couldn't figure out, Mr. Miller always found a way to make her feel worthless. As she sat at her desk, running the report for the fourth time, Jane couldn't help but feel a sense of despair. She knew that she was never going to be able to please Mr. Miller, no matter how hard she tried. It was a constant battle, and she didn't know how much longer she could take it. Mike sat at his desk, staring at the numbers on the screen in disbelief. He had pulled the report himself, hoping that there had been some mistake, but the numbers were the same as what Jane had presented to him earlier. He couldn't believe that they were already $45 million over budget. He picked up his phone and dialed the Research and Development Department. Hello, this is Michael Miller, he said, trying to keep his voice calm. I need to speak with someone about the budget for the new product line. Of course, Mr. Miller, the voice on the other end of the line said. I'll put you through to the head of the department. There was a brief pause, and then another voice came on the line. Hello, Mr. Miller. This is David from Research and Development. How can I help you today? Mike took a deep breath. Dave, I have the budget numbers in front of me, and it looks like you're already $45 million over budget. Can you explain to me how this is possible? 
There was a long pause on the other end of the line. I'm sorry, Mr. Miller, David said finally. I have no idea what you're talking about. We've been very careful with our spending and have stayed within budget. I'll have to look into this further. Mike's frustration was growing by the second. I'm going to need an accounting of every penny of your spending on my desk within the hour, he said firmly. I want to know how this happened. Heads will roll for this, do you understand me? Yes, sir, David said, clearly flustered. We'll get to work on it right away. Mike hung up the phone, still seething with anger. He couldn't believe that this was happening. How had they managed to overspend by so much, and how had it gone unnoticed until now? He knew that he had to get to the bottom of this, and he wasn't going to stop until he did. He stood up from his desk and began pacing the room. He needed to clear his head and come up with a plan. As he walked, his mind raced with thoughts of all the different possibilities. Was it mismanagement? A simple miscalculation? Or was there a bigger problem here that had yet to present itself? Whatever the cause, Mike knew that he had to get to the bottom of it, immediately. He stopped in front of the large window that took up an entire wall of his office and looked out at the city below. Today seemed all too similar to that day 25 years ago when he had found out that Jack had robbed him blind and cost him everything. Mike decided then and there that he would need to take this information straight to Mr. Thompson. If it were Mike's company, he would want to know. His thoughts were interrupted by a knock at the door. Jane walked in, a stack of papers in her hand. I have the updated budget report for you, Mr. Miller, she said, setting the pages down on his desk, still warm from the copier. Mike looked up at her and raised an eyebrow. I already went over the figures, he said. Did you find some new information? Jane shook her head. I ran the numbers again just to double check and the overspending is still there, she said. I'm sorry, I know I must have made a mistake somewhere. That will be all, Jane, Mike said dismissively. Mike knew that he had to act fast. He snatched up the receiver and dialed the extension to Mr. Thompson's personal secretary. You've reached the office of Theodore Thompson. How may I help you? A pleasant voice said. Hello, Francine. I need to set up a meeting with Mr. Thompson, Mike said. It's urgent. I'm sorry, Mr. Miller, Francine said. Mr. Thompson is booked until next week. There's no way I can fit you in today. This is important. I wouldn't be bothering you if it wasn't, Mike insisted. Francine hesitated. Mike knew it was a big ask. Well, he'll be back from an appointment in about ten minutes. If you can make it up to his office before then, I can get you in front of him for a few minutes. Mike let out a sigh of relief. Thank you, he said. I'll be right up. Mike arrived at Mr. Thompson's office with minutes to spare. As he waited for Mr. Thompson to arrive, he couldn't shake the feeling that something was off. Any other time that Mike had been in this office, the desk was always extremely tidy. Today, however, there seemed to be paperwork haphazardly stacked on almost every square inch of the massive mahogany desk. Mike leaned forward in an attempt to take a peek. He had just noticed a pamphlet sticking out from under a profit and loss statement with New Horizons Recovery Center printed across the top when Francine cleared her throat in the doorway. Mr. Thompson is on his way up. His next meeting starts in less than 15 minutes, so you'd better make it quick. There was a look of sadness in her eyes that he hadn't noticed before. Theodore Thompson entered his office. This man exuded wealth and power. Everything from his suit to the way he walked said that this was not a man to be screwed with. 
Mr. Thompson, Mike said as they shook hands. I apologize for meeting with you this way, but I've just discovered something that couldn't wait. When he wasn't met with a response, he continued. I don't understand how this could have happened, he said, trying to keep his voice calm. I've been working closely with the research and development team, and I've never seen any indication that they were over budget. And yet, Mike handed the report Jane had prepared for him across the desk. Mr. Thompson didn't spend more than a few seconds looking at the numbers. Leaning back in his chair, fingers steepled in front of his face, he didn't say anything for a moment. I'm just as shocked as you are, Mike, he said. Have you mentioned this to anyone else? Not a soul. Well, that's not entirely true. My assistant drew these up, but I don't think she understood the gravity of what she was looking at. I also called down and spoke to the department head, Dave something or other. They should have a full accounting of their financials on my desk within the hour. Sir, I understand that this is a difficult situation, he said. But I want to assure you that I will do everything in my power to get to the bottom of it. Mr. Thompson nodded, a tight smile on his lips. I appreciate your dedication, Michael, he said. I know that you'd do everything you can to get things back on track. Not to demean your abilities, but I think I'd like to handle this one myself. I'm sure you have plenty on your plate as it is. I see. Well, that is certainly your decision, sir, Mike replied. Mr. Thompson seemed to be avoiding making eye contact. A sinking feeling hit his stomach. Something about the way Mr. Thompson was handling this didn't sit right with him. Theodore Thompson stood up, signaling the end of the meeting. Thank you for bringing this to my attention, Michael. We'll be in touch. Mike left the office feeling more concerned than when he had first gotten there. Mike arrived home from work, exhausted and frustrated. He had spent the entire rest of the day trying to get to the bottom of the overspending, but he had hit a dead end. It was as if the money had just disappeared into thin air. As he walked through the door of apartment 402, he was greeted by Maria. How was your day, Mr. Miller? she asked, taking his briefcase and jacket. It was fine, Mike grumbled, sinking into the nearest armchair. Maria nodded sympathetically. Well, your dinner is all ready for you, she said, trying to lift his spirits. Roast beef and mashed potatoes. Mike forced a smile. Thanks, Maria. That sounds great. After dinner, Mike retired to his study to go over the financials one last time. He had just settled in with a second glass of red wine when there was a knock at the door. He looked at his watch, surprised to see that it was already past nine. Who could be coming to see him at this hour? As he made his way to the front door, he saw Maria already standing in the doorway with a group of FBI agents. Mr. Michael Miller? One of them asked, holding up a badge. Yes, that's me, Mike said, his heart racing. What's going on? We have a warrant for your arrest, the agent said, holding out a piece of paper. Does corporate embezzlement ring any bells? Mike's knees went weak, and he grabbed onto the doorframe to steady himself. This is a mistake, he stammered. I have no idea where that money went. That's what I'm trying to figure out. The agents remained expressionless. You can sort it out down at the station, one of them said, taking Mike by the arm. Come with us. The steel of the handcuffs was cold against his wrists. As he was lowered into the back seat of a police car, Mike's mind raced. How was he going to prove his innocence? Then a thought occurred to him. 
Is that why Mr. Thompson couldn't make eye contact with him in his office earlier? Had this all been a setup? He had to find a way out of this, but he didn't even know where to start. If Theodore Thompson was really behind all of this, Mike knew he had the resources and the influence to make things very difficult for him. As they pulled away, Mike heard a blood-curdling scream over the sound of the sirens. He turned around in his seat to see a group of people forming around the spot they had just pulled away from. When they arrived at the station, Mike was processed and placed in a holding cell. He was allowed to make a phone call. When Mike got to the bank of phones, he realized that he wasn't even sure who to call. He had never been in this situation before. He had no wife. His parents had long since passed. He didn't even have a close friend or even an acquaintance. On a whim, he dialed Jane's number, hoping that she would at least be able to contact his attorney in the morning. Hello? Jane answered. She sounded just as confused as he was. Jane, it's Michael, he said, trying to keep his voice steady. I've been arrested. What? Jane exclaimed. What are you talking about? I'm not really sure yet. The FBI showed up at my door this evening and arrested me for embezzlement. Mike explained. They think I had something to do with the missing $45 million you found today. Jane was silent for a moment, and then she spoke. Well, I'll be right there, she said firmly. Which station are you at? You don't need to come all the way down here. I just need you to call my attorney in the morning. Can you do that for me, Jane? Mike asked wearily. Yes, sir, I've got it handled, Jane responded confidently. Mike hung up the phone feeling a small sense of relief. He just had to get through the night. His attorney would help him set everything straight in the morning. Less than an hour later, Mike's attorney arrived and began working on the paperwork to have him released on bail. For the first time ever, he was impressed with Jane's actions. Maybe she isn't such a bumbling idiot, Mike thought to himself.